Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. The following article is from the May 2008 Scottish Rite Reporter and is titled Dr. Joseph Warren, Physician, Patriot, Mason. Dr. Joseph Warren, 1741 to 1775, was an American doctor and soldier who played a leading role in American patriot organizations in Boston. His death came as a volunteer private soldier while also serving as chief executive of the revolutionary Massachusetts government. Warren was born in Roxbury, Massachusetts, to Joseph and Mary Warren. His father was a respected farmer who was killed instantly in October 1755 when he fell off a ladder while gathering fruit in his orchard. After attending the Roxbury Latin School, he studied medicine at Harvard University, graduating in 1759, and then teaching for a time. He married 18-year-old heiress Elizabeth Hooten on September 6, 1764, but she died in 1772, leaving him with four children. While practicing medicine and surgery in Boston, he joined the Freemasonry and eventually was selected as a Grand Master. He became involved in politics, associating with John Hancock, Samuel Adams, and other radical leaders. He became active in the Sons of Liberty and was appointed chairman of the Massachusetts Committee of Correspondence. He drafted the Suffolk Resolves, which were endorsed by the Continental Congress, to advocate resistance to the British. He was appointed president of the Massachusetts Provincial Congress, the highest position in the revolutionary government. After receiving intelligence about British troop movements, he sent William Dawes and Paul Revere on their famous midnight rides on April 18, 1775, to warn Lexington and Concord of British raids. Several historians believe that his source for this information was none other than Margaret Gage, the wife of General Thomas Gage. During the Battle of Lexington and Concord the following day, he coordinated and led militia into the fight alongside William Heath as the British Army returned to Boston. He played an important role in recruiting and organizing soldiers during the Siege of Boston. During the British return mark from Lexington and Concord, Warren exposed himself to enemy fire repeatedly in order to reach and treat the wounded. He was appointed a Major General by the Massachusetts Provincial Congress in June 14, 1775. His commission had not yet taken effect three days later when the Battle of Bunker Hill was fought. He served as a volunteer private against the wishes of General Israel Putnam and Colonel William Prescott, who requested that he serve as their commander. Taunting the British, he uttered his famous quote, These fellows say we won't fight. By heavens, I hope I shall die up to my knees in blood. He fought in the front lines, rallying his troops to the third and final assault of the battle when he was killed immediately by a musket ball fired into his head by a British officer who recognized him. British Captain Walter Lorry, who had been defeated at Old North Bridge, later said he stuffed the scoundrel with another rebel into one hole, and there he and his seditious principles may remain. His body was exhumed ten months after his death by his brothers and Paul Revere, who identified the remains by his artificial, and actually it just is blank there. His body was placed in Granary, burying ground, and later in 1825 in St. Paul's Cathedral, before finally being moved in 1855 to his family's vault in Forest Hill Cemetery. 
At the time of Warren's death, his children, Joseph Warren, H.C. Warren, Richard Warren, Elizabeth Warren, Mary Warren, were staying with Abigail Adams at the John Quincy Adams birthplace in Quincy, Massachusetts. A cairn now marks the spot where his oldest daughter observed the battle from afar after word of her father's death. The Warren children were then financially supported by Benedict Arnold, who later succeeded in obtaining support for them from the Continental Congress until they were of age. General Gage is thought to have called Warren's death of equal value to the death of 500 men. But his death strengthened the radicals' political position because it was viewed by many Americans at the time as an act of nationalist martyrdom. Fourteen states have a Warren County named after him. Warren, Michigan, Warren, New Jersey, Warrenton, Virginia, and Warren, Massachusetts are named in his honors. Boston's Fort Warren, started in 1833, was named in his honor. Five ships of the Continental Navy and United States Navy were named Warren in his honor. John Warren, Joseph's younger brother, served as a surgeon during the Battle of Bunker Hill and the rest of the war and then later founded Harvard Medical School. His political activities began in earnest in 1765 when he penned a number of newspaper essays during the Stamp Act crisis. His involvement with the St. Andrew's Lodge brought him into the company of James Otis and other notable critics of British policies. Later, during the Townsend tax unrest, Warren wrote under the nom de plume, A True Patriot, in the Boston Gazette. This infuriated Governor Francis Bernard, who tried unsuccessfully to prosecute the publishers for seditious libel. In 1772, Warren's prominence was recognized when he was selected to deliver the commemorative oration on the anniversary of the Boston Massacre. He worked closely with Samuel Adams on the Committee of Correspondence, and when Adams left to attend the First Continental Congress in 1774, Warren assumed leadership of the radical cause of Boston. He authored the Suffolk Resolves, a strongly worded statement of the emergent American position that was endorsed by the Congress. The Massachusetts legislature was suspended in 1774 for its refusal to toe the line following the Boston Tea Party. An extra-legal provincial Congress met in October, and Warren served as president pro tem. He also chaired the Committee of Safety, whose purpose was to collect arms and train militia units. In March 1775, despite receiving threats on his life, Warren again delivered the annual speech honoring the fallen in the Boston Massacre. Old South Church was so full that the speaker had to enter the building by climbing a ladder and crawling through a window behind the pulpit. His oration was well received, except by the British officers in attendance who heckled him. From these contributions to the American cause of freedom, we can only imagine what greatness Brother Warren may have attained if it were not for the British musket which cut him down. Another one of those historic ironies is that the Battle of Bunker Hill did not take place in Bunker Hill. It occurred on a smaller hill known as Breed's Hill, but Bunker Hill was the prominent geographic spot in the area, so it became known as the Battle of Bunker Hill. So this next article kind of uh, deviates from how we normally do this, but I also found it pretty interesting. So this is from history.com, and it's 10 things you should know about Joseph Warren. So this is originally written January 22nd, 2015, was updated August 22nd of 2018. And the subtitle is Learn 10 Surprising Facts About the Oft-Forgotten Sons of Liberty Leader Who Died in Battle Before the United States Was Even Born. Number one. Warren was one of Boston's foremost physicians. After enrolling in Harvard at the age of 14, Warren began to exhibit an interest in medicine. By the age of 22, he was the youngest doctor in Boston. His patients included Samuel Adams, John Hancock, and two future presidents, John Adams and John Quincy Adams. 
His reputation as one of Boston's finest physicians also gave him access to prominent loyalists, including the children of Royal Governor Thomas Hutchinson and British General Thomas Gage and his American-born wife, Margaret. There is compelling evidence that Warren spied on the British through his medical practice, and some have speculated that the widowed doctor may have carried on an extramarital affair with Margaret Gage and received from her advance notice of planned British troop movements to Concord on April 18, 1775. Number two, Warren likely robbed graves. According to Nathaniel Philbrick's book, Bunker Hill, A City, A Siege, A Revolution, Warren and his youngest brother, John, were likely members of the Spunkers, a group of Harvard medical students who raided graveyards, jails, and poorhouses in search of bodies they could use for training purposes. Number three, he wore a toga while delivering an oration commemorating the Boston Massacre. Reflecting his stature as a revolutionary leader and his reputation as a powerful orator, Warren was asked in 1775 to deliver for the second time the annual oration commemorating the Boston Massacre. An immense crowd that spilled into the aisles gathered inside Old South Meeting House on March 6, 1775. The doctor, who performed Cato in his Harvard dormitory room, showed his theatrical flair by arriving dressed in a flowing white Roman toga, a symbol of democracy. Dozens, if not hundreds, of British soldiers and officers watched menacingly and one even held up bullets in his palm as a warning to Warren. The doctor, however, was not intimidated and delivered a rousing address. Number four, Warren was a Masonic Grand Master. Warren served as Grand Master of the St. Andrew's Lodge of Freemasons and presided over meetings at its headquarters inside the Green Dragon Tavern. The lodge included numerous Sons of Liberty, such as Revere, Daniel Webster would call the Green Dragon Tavern the headquarters of the revolution. Number five, he penned the Suffolk Reserves. The British Parliament responded to the Boston Tea Party by passing what the Patriots called the Intolerable Acts in 1774. The measure suspended the colonial government and closed the port of Boston until repayment was made for the lost tea. In September 1774, representatives from every town in Suffolk County, which included Boston and the towns to the west and south, agreed to a radical set of revolutions drafted by Warren that declared no obedience is due to the intolerable acts. Known as the Suffolk Resolves, Warren's document called for a boycott of British goods and for local militias to prepare for armed resistance. Carried to Philadelphia by Revere after a five-day ride, the Suffolk Resolves, called undoubtedly treasonable by Hutchinson, were overwhelmingly endorsed by the Continental Congress, a major step on the road to revolution. Number six, Warren dispatched Paul Revere on his famous midnight ride. On April 18, 1775, Warren learned through Boston's revolutionary underground that British troops were preparing to cross the Charles River and march to Lexington, presumably to arrest John Hancock and Samuel Adams, and to Concord to seize munitions. To maximize the chances of a warning reaching the countryside, Warren decided to send one messenger by land and one by sea. Around 9 p.m., the doctor dispatched William Dahls on the riskier mission to ride through the checkpoint guarded by British sentries and take the longer land route. An hour later, he sent Revere on his way across the Charles River and into the surrounding countryside. Number seven, Warren ordered Benedict Arnold to attack Fort Ticonderoga. With the British under siege in Boston after the battles at Lexington and Concord, the Patriots needed cannons to give them the firepower to force the enemy forces out of the city. 
In late April 1775, Captain Benedict Arnold told Warren and the Massachusetts Committee of Safety that he knew where to get 80 cannons at the lightly guarded Fort Ticonderoga in New York. Warren authorized military operation, and the future trader easily captured the British fort after joining forces with Ethan Allen and his Green Mountain Boys. Fort Ticonderoga's cannons were transported to Boston and indeed proved instrumental in evicting the British in March 1776. Number eight, he died at the Battle of Bunker Hill. While other Sons of Liberty members, such as John Hancock, Samuel Adams, and John Adams convened in Philadelphia as delegates to the Continental Congress, Warren borrowed a musket to fight the British at the Battle of Bunker Hill on June 17, 1775. Although appointed a Major General by the Massachusetts Provincial Congress just three days before, the 34-year-old Warren left the command to more experienced patriots and insisted in fighting with the volunteers in the fiercest part of the battle. He became the first martyr of the American Revolution after being fatally struck by a musket ball to the head. Number nine, the identification of Warren's body may have involved the first example of forensic dentistry in America. After the Battle of Bunker Hill, the British buried Warren in a shallow grave along with a farmer also felled in the firefight. Nearly 10 months later, after the British evacuated Boston, the Patriots exhumed Warren's body from the battlefield. Revere, who dabbled in dentistry, was able to identify Warren because he recognized a false tooth that he had crafted for the doctor. The Sons of Liberty leader was then reburied at the Granary Burying Ground with full Masonic honors, but his body remained on the move in the 19th century. Warren's family moved him to a vault in a Boston cathedral in 1824 before transporting him to his current resting ground inside Forest Hill Cemetery in 1855. And lastly, number 10, had he lived longer, Warren could have been one of the country's foremost founding fathers. A charismatic leader who served in the military, Warren was poised to play a prominent role on the battlefields of the American Revolution and in the political life of the new United States. Hutchinson speculated, if Warren had lived, he bid as fair as any man to advance himself to the summit of political as well as military affairs and to become the Cromwell of North America. Loyalist Peter Oliver surmised in 1782 that if Warren had lived, George Washington would have been an obscurity. And article number three comes from the National Heritage Museum. And this article is just called Joseph Warren, The Warren Family of Doctors, Freemasonry, and Bunker Hill. It's written back on October 5th, 2010. On Wednesday, June 17, 1857, the Bunker Hill Memorial Association unveiled the statue of Joseph Warren, 1741 to 1775, who died at the Battle of Bunker Hill exactly 82 years earlier. To commemorate the occasion, the Bunker Hill Memorial Association printed celebrations by the Bunker Hill Monument Association of the anniversary of the Battle of Bunker Hill in 1850 and 1857. Our copy of these proceedings is particularly special because it was pre a presentation copy given to Dr. J. Mason Warren, 1811-1867, who is Joseph Warren's grandnephew, and served on the Bunker Hill Memorial Association's Board of Directors. Joseph Warren is often remembered for his pivotal role in two aspects of the American Revolution. As the man who sent Paul Revere and William Dawes on their midnight ride on the night before the battles of Lexington and Concord, and as the general who died at the Battle of Bunker Hill. 
By profession, however, Joseph Warren was a doctor, and this played no small role in his life or in the lives of many others in the Warren family. In fact, Dr. Joseph Warren stands at the head of a long line of the Warren family of doctors. His brother, John Warren, 1753-1815, was the principal founder of Harvard Medical School, and in turn, John Warren's son, John Collins Warren, 1778-1856, was a leading figure in establishing Massachusetts General Hospital and was the first to perform surgery using ether. The Warren that we are concerned with here today, J. Mason Warren, was a leading surgeon and while at Massachusetts General Hospital, performed pioneering work in plastic surgery. J. Mason Warren performed the first rhinoplasty procedure in America in 1837, but this line of doctors didn't end there. J. Mason Warren's son, J. Collins Warren, 1842-1927, also went on to become a doctor. Freemasonry, naturally, played a large role in the celebration surrounding the unveiling of the Warren statue on June 17, 1857. General Joseph Warren was a Mason himself, having been raised in the Lodge of St. Andrew, and was Grand Master of the Massachusetts Provincial Grand Lodge from 1769 until his death in 1775. It was Massachusetts Freemasons who gave Joseph Warren a proper and honorable burial a year after the Battle of Bunker Hill. Warren had been buried on a battlefield, and his remains were dug up a year later. He was identified by the dental work Paul Revere had done on him. Masons also played a large role in the ceremony surrounding the laying of the cornerstone of the Bunker Hill Memorial. The proceedings of the 1857 unveiling of the statue of Warren enumerate the many dignitaries who processed to Breed's Hill. It was stated that the Masonic display was large and brilliant. The Grand Lodges of Rhode Island, New Hampshire, and Massachusetts, 24 subordinate lodges, and members of two or three encampments taking part in the procession. You can read more about the Masonic ceremonies surrounding the 1857 dedication of the Warren statue, and then you click the link. And then lastly, you can read a biography of J. Mason Warren, the grandnephew of Dr. Joseph Warren here. So I'll post a link to this article, and then uh, if you want to follow those other links, you can get some more information on the Warren family. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.